I was just think, uh, thinking of uh, of something as uh, Kermit was up here praying and talking about praying in the Spirit. I, it's a humorous story, but it's an interesting one, too. I told it to someone and they laughed at first and I said, yeah, it is kind of funny, but it's not really funny if you look at it through the eyes of the Spirit. I was listening to this guy teaching on uh, YouTube and he had a really good teaching and he's excited and as he taught, he began to speak in tongues. Not very long, just a few words. Um, Immediately I picked up on it, he continued to teach. And then he had a commentary about his teaching and about people writing into him and saying, what was that? What did you do? What were those words? And he said, you know, when I was editing this teaching, I asked the Lord, should I edit that out? I don't want to offend anyone. Should I, should I edit out that little section there in tongues? I don't want this to be a controversy. And the Lord said, hey, you know, you excited. You just, that's what you do. You pray in the Spirit. Go ahead. That's who you are. So he left it. And as a result, people started commenting. Well, you know, you really shouldn't do that unless there's an interpretation and all this doctrinal stuff started rolling out. And he was kind of, oh, gee. Wish I wouldn't have done that. Until someone sent in a comment to him and said, I happen to have my closed caption button set on my television when you were teaching. And uh, a clo- in closed caption, a translation came up. And you might want to take a look at it. So the words that came up were, let me see if I can remember. The words that came up were Eucubus, and um, academia. Eucubus, academia were the two words that his tongues were translated came up on the bottom of the screen. So he said, now listen to what I said. And then he plays the words back in tongues. And then he says, does that sound like anything like Eucubus, academia? It's not even close. <coughs> what is this? I mean, the computer basically translated it. Yeah, it was an interpretation. So what he said was, now I prayed in tongues and I've spoken in tongues, but I've never had the gift of interpretation. I don't, I don't think I've ever interpreted tongues for anyone else or when I've prayed in tongues. So I, I, don't, I didn't know what this was all about, but I said, Eucubus, let's go see what that is. Oh, Eucubus is in the story in Acts where this young man is up in the tower up above uh, Paul while he's preaching, and he falls asleep and falls to the floor. And Paul walks over and says, don't worry, he's not dead. And he lifts him up, and the, and the, and the guy's resuscitated. So he says, the next thing is academia, teaching. God is telling us to take a look at this teaching about Eucubists in the book of Acts. And I don't want to go on too long with this, but I thought it was cool. And he said, wow, 
This guy falls asleep because Paul is going on and on and on and on. Maybe what God is saying is, listen to what this teaching is about. Don't fall asleep. This is important. This is really important. You shouldn't fall asleep. Many of you have, have listened to this teaching and you probably just fell asleep. I did. I was one of the ones that fell asleep and had to listen to it again. So I just thought it was really interesting that for the first time in his life, he received an interpretation of a tongue and it came through the computer that someone had sent him. And he, and he checked on it. That was the correct interpretation. Pretty Pretty neat. I think that's pretty neat. I just thought it was an interesting story because maybe some of you are sitting here with theological concepts in your mind and you've taught, unless someone, there's an interpretation, tongues should not be audible in church and all that. And I just thought I'd bring that up. Just because we didn't hear it doesn't mean there isn't one. Okay. All right. Let's have the, where are the chillings? Chillins, all the chillins, come up to be prayed for. Come on, kids. We're going to do this a little different. Now I want all the moms and dads that are here of these kids to stand up, stretch forth your hand, and I want everyone else to look at the moms and dads who are standing up because not only are we going to pray for these ones, but we're going to pray for them because they need it. Amen? Amen. Father, we thank You, Lord God, and we praise You and thank You for these little ones and these families who are raising these children up in the fear and admonition of You. God, we want You to be glorified in their lives. We want you to be known through them, and we want them to have a powerful testimony and a powerful witness about their trust and, and their relationship with you, Lord. So, Father, I just ask as they go down right now, God, that you would, you would teach them to trust you more and more and more by the things they hear and the things that they're taught. And we thank you for the moms and the dads that are, that are bringing the children up to trust you. And we give you all the glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. See you, little ones. God bless you, little guys. Okay. I um, had a song in my heart all week. Matter of fact, what happened was I was at a, a trade show and I was sharing... Um, with someone and uh, and suddenly this song that I hadn't heard in a really long time came up and I was using it in, in what I was saying to this friend of mine and then I couldn't get it out of my head and now I don't know if I can remember the tune because all I have in my head is someone for everyone <laughs> you ever have that happen? <laughs> so what the song I'm not even sure I know the name of the song. When I look it up, it says uh, The Spirit, but I never would have thought that that was the name of the song. And it was actually a song sung by a woman named Edie, and I can't find her anywhere on the Internet. I don't know. She's disappeared. And um, 
It was the uh, it was the bumper music to uh, Chuck Smith's ministry on the radio back in the seventies. Oh, let the Son of God enfold you with His Spirit and His love. So it goes. Oh, let the Son of God enfold you with His Spirit and His love. Let Him fill your hearts and satisfy your soul. Oh, let Him. Boy, I'm becoming emotional. Oh, let him have those things that hold you. Have, let him have those things that hold you. And his spirit, like a dove, will descend upon your life and make you whole. Jesus, oh Jesus, come and fill your lambs. You're familiar with the song now as I'm saying the words? I don't know if you are. I don't dare sing it because after Joe, I'll really do a bad job. Well, come and sing a song of gladness as, as your hearts are filled with joy. Lift your hands in sweet surrender to his name. Oh, give him all your tears and sadness. Give him all your years of pain. And you'll enter into life in Jesus' name. Amen. It's a really sweet song. Um, there's important things that are said in the song. I know this is not a scripture verse. And I'm going to spend some time with it. But I want you to, I'm trying to emphasize some things here. Let him fill your heart and satisfy your soul. Let him fill your heart and satisfy your soul. Not things. Not other people. Let him. We're not really taught that. I'm really getting off the subject here. We're not really taught that. From the time we grow up, we're taught that things and situations and circumstances satisfy us. And then suddenly we come to Christ and we find out that's all dull. They all fade. Let Him fill your hearts and satisfy your soul. Let Him have those things that hold you. Things hold us. Things. Not only material goods that our society says that the man who dies with the most toys wins. Not, not even that thought. But other things. What are the things that hold us from Christ? And when you give Him those things, His Spirit like a dove will descend upon you and make you whole. So in other words, if you have things holding you, you're not whole. You're not whole. We sang some songs here about Jesus breaking chains and setting us free. And as I, as I listen to the words of the songs, and I've sung hundreds or thousands of songs like that for the last 40 years, I realized that, yeah, if we want him 
to break those chains. If we want to give Him the things that hold us, He's not going to take those things from us if we want to hang on to them because we think we need them. Or we think, that's who I am. Or we think, that's how I survive. So how do we get free to be able to give those things to Jesus as this song is saying, well, I listened to a guy teaching one day and he was talking about these humanist atheists that are going around and evangelizing. Wrong use of the word, but they're going out and they're talking to people and trying to convince them that Christianity is a farce and do it intellectually. And they have a very purposeful way of doing it. And what this gentleman was saying is that Unfortunately, many Christians don't know why they believe what they believe. They'll go, well, the Bible says. And then they'll say, well, do you realize, and right now I'm reading a book, The Case for Christ, and a lot of the things, a lot of the things that, that the intellectuals say about the Bible are not true. They just keep repeating the same lies over and over and over and over. The Word of God is substantiatable by history, by documents. But they'll erode at that as they speak to you. The bottom line was, this guy's, this guy's conclusion was that Christians need to know that they believe because they trust Jesus. That's why. It's not because mom told me. It's not because Pastor Don has been preaching about. It's not because I heard a tape one time. It's not because I saw a video. It's not because of what... It's because I trust him as a person. As a person. He's a person that I trust. And nothing you can do is going to take away my trust for the Lord Jesus Christ. So we have to trust him in order to be comfortable to give Him the things that hold us. Well, come and sing a song of gladness and fill your hearts with joy. Lift your hands in sweet surrender. Surrender. Yield. Pastor Don talks about how this means, you know, he said, nobody that comes up to you with a gun and says, you're under arrest, and nobody goes like this. They do this. When you surrender, you do this. We surrender. We yield. We have to yield to Him. We trust Him, so we yield Him. The more we trust Him, the more quickly we yield. Okay. Give Him all your tears and sadness. Give Him all your years of pain. You know what? I've probably caused more pain in my life myself on myself than other people have caused on me. I, I'm, probably, I'm probably the one that is guilty of causing most of my own pain and most of my own suffering. But I, I just, I, I heard this song in my head and I said this, I spoke to this, this, to this young lady at a trade show while we were sitting having breakfast and and then I couldn't get it out of my head. And I said, you know, I need to look up the words to that because I thought I knew it. And then when I saw the words, very significant. It's very significant. All right, let's get, get to the word. Um, 
11 o'clock. Okay. Let me first start by saying that uh, a few years ago, I started thinking that in my own life, in my own perspective, and what I was hearing, I'm not saying that people, you know, we hear sometimes, people hear what they want to hear and disregard the rest. You know, Paul Simon saying that. People hear disregard the rest. Okay. So, I was hearing a lot of stuff about salvation as being a finished work. It was, it's a done, it's finished work. There isn't anything else that needs to be done, and now I go along my happy way. To the point, I told us to Pastor Don and some other people, that on occasion, the Holy Spirit was convicting me of sin. And I would immediately come back to the Holy Spirit and say, Therefore is now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. And my attitude was like, get behind me. Get behind me, Satan. I don't want to hear about that. I'm forgiven. I'm cleansed by the blood of Christ. That's all that matters. And then suddenly I started thinking that, wait, wait, there are other issues that have to be dealt with here. Yes, I am saved by the blood of Christ, and there is nothing that anyone can do to change my mind about that, and neither should yours be changed. But I have stuff. I have, where is he? Where's John? Is he in here? I have issues. That's John's favorite word. I have issues. I have things that God has forgiven me for. But they're not godly. They don't reflect Christ. There are things in me that need to be perfected in this process of us being perfected. So what's being perfected? So as I studied and I read... I came across salvation of the spirit, soul, and body and started thinking about that. Salvation of the spirit and the soul and the body. So when we start speaking about we're regenerated by the Holy Spirit, we've been saved, we've been bought with a price, we have become children of God. That's our spirit. That's our spirit. Our spirits which were once dead and disconnected from God, almost as if like we had had a stroke and could not even acknowledge who He was or understand things of God. Suddenly, when the Holy Spirit comes in, suddenly now, the Word of God starts to open up and starts to make sense. Suddenly now, I'm interested in the things of God that I never was before. Suddenly, I start to see things about myself that are displeasing to Him and yearn to see them change. And before, well, you know, everybody's got issues. Matter of fact, matter of fact, I was in the store the other day. We have a retail store. And a, and a woman came in and I was, I don't even know how I got on the subject with it. I mean, I was going to talk with anybody about this. So I'm talking to this lady and I'm talking about how we need to be healed. Those things in our soul need to be worked out and fixed. God wants to do that in us. He wants to save our souls. And I began to tell her that. And she said, well, everybody has stuff. 
Exactly. Exactly. So that's how I know when I'm looking out here, there isn't anybody out here that doesn't have stuff. You all got stuff. I got stuff. You got stuff. Everybody's got to have stuff. Jesus wants the stuff gone. That's what he wants. However, those are the things that hold us and we have to yield them. We have to yield them to him. We have to trust him that without that stuff that I'm clinging on to, who I think is my identity, who makes me feel like I'm safe and secure in the way I work out things, I can, I can be an overcomer. Christ in me will give me the suitable godly way to deal with circumstances and situations and have my soul filled and be full of joy without the stuff that I thought I always needed. A few months ago, maybe a year ago, God showed me this and I came into our Bible study with a box and everybody was pretty bored with it, but I'm so excited about this because it was a visual for me. So here was a box and this box, what I wrote on the box was my soul. Now I'm saying, I'm praying for him to fill me with his Holy Spirit. Look at the size of this box. This is my soul. Fill me. There's only one problem. When I open up the box, I got this other box in the inside, and it's anger. And I got this other box inside there that's lust. And I got this other box inside there that's fear. And I've got this other box, and you can name them all, and everybody can raise a hand and throw out one of them. But that's what's on the boxes. Well, it would be nice if the Lord could overpower us and just say, dump that box right out, it's clean now, I'm going to fill you with the Holy Spirit. I think the reason why the Scripture says we should need to be continually filled with the Holy Spirit is because we are progressively and continually emptying the junk out. That's why we need to be... I heard a funny story about it one time, that, about this guy who would... Uh, Every, every year when the, when the evangelists would come to town, they have a tent meeting, and this, this guy would ask for people to come forward to be prayed for to receive the Holy Spirit. And every year, the same guy would come forward and fall on his face on the altar here and be yelling out, Lord, fill me, fill me. He did it year after year after year. Same person, the first person online. And finally, after the third or fourth year, this old saint in the background, in the back corner says, Don't do it, Lord, he leaks. Well, I'm not really sure it's leaking. I'm not sure it's leaking. I'm thinking that God is progressively changing us into His image. We are becoming more and more like His character. We are, we are getting the junk out of the trunk. But it's only going to happen if when the Holy Spirit speaks to us, we yield to Him. And we ask Him for help. Now you're going to say, well, wait, 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 I'm forgiven. We're not talking about being forgiven here. We're talking about being able to possess the great and precious promises by which we can become partakers of His divine nature and escape the corruption that's in the world through lusts, through the things we want to hang on to. 
actually the things that are hanging out to us. So, I haven't even gotten to Scripture yet. Let's take a look at um, 1 Thessalonians 2, 9 through 13. Let's see if I can get there faster than you can. 1 Thessalonians. Mm-hmm. 2. Okay, let me, let me just give you some background on Thessalonians. The first two chapters are basically Paul personal discourse with the church in Thessalonica. He's writing from, they, they believe, Greece, and he's writing to the church after Timothy gets back and tells him about what's going on in the church. So he's given the background. Timothy's came back and talked about what's going on, and, and then he begins to talk about the things that, that he wants to communicate to them. Verse 9, for you remember, let's see if I'm in the right place, to... 9 through 13. For you remember, brethren, our labor and travail for laboring night and day, because we would not be chargeable unto any of you. We preached unto you the gospel of God. You are witnesses, and God also, how holily and justly and unblameably we behaved ourselves among you that believe. He's pointing to his actions, what they, the way they act, the way they communicate, the way they treat people. As you know, how we exhort and comfort and charge every one of you, as a father does his children, that you walk worthy of God, who hath called you unto his kingdom and glory. Don has been doing an awesome, awesome teaching about calling, and then he's moved into the, the purpose for the calling, and that's loving God. And when I first was asked to preach today, I thought, I need to fit it in here. I, I want to fit it in. I want to continue with Don's thought. You see how it does. For this cause, we also thank God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God which you heard from us, you received it, not of the words of men, but as truth, and the word of God which effectually worketh also in you who believe. So there's an effect. Effect for what reason? To convince them to believe in Christ? No, it's effect so that they can tra- their lives can be transformed. So that they can be pleasing to God by their lives. God is interested in us being changed into the image of Christ. He, he's interested in us being conformed. And, it's, and for us to, to continually, for myself... To continually go to the place, oh well, I'm forgiven. May be true, but it may not be the action that God wants me to take when He's convicting me about a sin, about something that is robbing me from my relationship with Him. Oh wait, He purchased a relationship where, you know, yeah, see, there's, there's this, there's a difference between our imputed relationship, which He has done for us through the blood of Christ, and a relationship which we, by yielding, nurture with Him and develop more and more and more trust so that we can trust Him more and more and more and be more conformed into His image so that we escape the corruption 
that's in the world through the things that are in us. But now they're not because He has cleansed us. He's redeemed us. He's come in and He's healed our, our, our souls. He's taken those things away that have held us, like the song said. It's important. It's very important. We're talking about, should I say the word here? Because we don't ever hear it much. I don't hear it much. Maybe it's people, man hears what he wants to hear and disregards the rest. Holiness. I remember a time when every time I heard holiness, all I heard was that it's imputed. It's imputed. In other words, God makes you holy. That's it. You're holy. Okay, so I'm holy. Now, am I holy? Am I holy when I cheat my neighbor? Am I holy when I swear? Am I holy when I choose to do something I know God doesn't want me to do? Am I holy when I'm selfish towards other people? Am I, ho- am I holy when I'm angry? Are they seeing Christ in me? Are they seeing me as holy? And if they ask me, you're not acting very holy, would my response be, oh, well, God calls me holy. That's all that matters. Think about it. Think about it. Okay. Thessalonians, the third chapter. Thessalonians 3, 12 and 13. And the Lord make you increase and abound in love toward one another and toward all men, even as we do toward you. To the end, He may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before the Lord. To the end, the purpose. God's purpose is to establish us unblameable. Oh wait, I thought that He died on the cross and paid for our sins, so now we're we're unblameable. No. No, he's talking about our souls here. Not our spirits. He's talking about our souls. He's saying, now he wants to save, he saved our spirits, now he wants to save our souls. I'm going to address the body part. When we pray for people, we often pray for their illnesses. We pray for healing. That's We're praying for God to do what we know he wants you to do. He wants you to be... He wants us to be saved in our bodies as well in our spirits as well as our souls. Now, you all, for any of you who don't know this, I can't miss this opportunity. I'm here because you prayed. You prayed and interceded when I was in the hospital after having a heart attack where I was dead for 22 minutes and the doctor said he's brain dead what do you want us to do I don't know maybe as you listen to me you say this guy's brain dead but but I thought it was, Abby's laughing but I'm not brain dead Well, why? Because God wanted me here and He raised me up. And you all had a part in that. I really, matter of fact, when I, when I first came back, I started hearing about all the food and all the worship and all the prayer that was going on at the hospital. And I said, I missed it. <laughs> I missed it. I, I don't know what was going on. I, 
So, yeah, he desires us to be saved in our bodies, but let's get back to the soul thing here. All right. So, to the end that he wants us to be unblameable in holiness. That's what he wants. That's his plan. That's the end. That's what he wants us to be doing and walking this out. Okay, Thessalonians 4, 1 through 8. Furthermore, then, we, you guys are fast. We beseech you, brethren, exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as you have received us of now, how, we, how you ought to walk, and please God, how we ought to walk and please God, so that you will abound more and more. For you know what commandments we have given you by the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor, not in the lust of concupiscence, being delivered from the corruption that's in the world through lust, even as the Gentiles do, who do not know God, that no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any matter, because that the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we also have forewarned you and testified. For the Lord has not called us to uncleanness, but unto holiness. He therefore that despiseth, despiseth not man, but God. Now, if you read this in the King James like I do, you're like, oh, so I'm going to just do the push the button on the despise thing, and here's what it says: to set aside, to disesteem. Now, Pastor Don has been talking about us loving God. If you love God, you certainly don't disesteem Him. You want to do the things that please Him. Right? Loving God isn't just, Oh, I love you, Lord. You're so wonderful. And then walk away and do what you want to do. So God is calling us to holiness. And it says, in that same verse I'll read again, He, therefore, that... I'm going to say disesteems. Disesteems not man. He's not talking about offending your brother, even though you are. He's saying you're offensive to God. But God has not called us to that. He's called us to holiness and has given unto us His Holy Spirit. Okay. What's the significance of that? How am I going to do this, Lord? How am I going to love you in my actions? How am I going to want to change and be like Jesus in the way I think, in my thought life, in my words, in the time that I spend, and how I spend my money, in all those things? How am I going to do that? By the Holy Spirit. By the Holy Spirit. We'll get to that in a moment. Verse, chapter, uh, verse, excuse me, chapter 5, 1 through 23. But of the times and seasons, brethren, we have no need that I write unto you. For yourself know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. 
For when they shall say, Peace and safety, then suddenly, suddenly and destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. You are the children of the light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep in the night, for they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and a helmet and the hope of salvation. For God has not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also ye do. And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and that are over you in the Lord and admonish you. And to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake and be at peace among yourselves. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly. Comfort the feeble-minded. Support the weak. Be patient toward all men. See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. Who is yourselves? He's talking to the church. So he's saying, why would he have to go to the church and say, be kind to one another and don't do these things? Because there, it's going on. And he's saying that needs to change. He's saying it needs to change and we need to see that that's important to God. Okay? Now he's not talking to the world here. He's talking to the church. See that none render evil for evil unto any man. Wow. Pastor Don was talking about that a few weeks ago. I need help with that. I need help with that. I'm not speaking for Don. I'm speaking in the first person. I need help with that. And I've gone to God and I've said to Him, I need help with that. I'm no longer going saying, well, I'm forgiven. The comment that was, that was so I was mentioned this to, to Amy the other day when she was in the store, that I was saying that you deal with a public and some people just seem so, they're having a problem that day. And they're selfish and they're, and you're, and you got to take a deep breath, not for political sake, or it's for the, oh, well, people at Sweet Meadows are so nice, they take my bad attitudes. No, because we're not supposed to return evil for evil. So I'm praying to God about that. I need your help, Lord. I need to be patient toward people. I need you, Lord Jesus. And I can't do that on my own. But I've confessed it to him. And I'm confessing it to you. Confess your sins to one another that you might be healed. I need to be healed of that. And you say that to some people and they say, well, God doesn't want you to be a carpet to be walked on. And I mentioned that to Amy yesterday when she was in the store and she said, 
like Jesus. See, the things we get taught are in our brains and they keep going around and around and around and around and around and we can justify our attitudes, we can justify the things we say and believe me, one person said to me, it's either I was a preacher or a lawyer when I did my stepfather's funeral. Because I can, I can justify with the best of them. I can give you a list of reasons and excuses why I'm acting the way. And as Bob would say, my wife's baking bread, and if you don't know that story, I don't have time to share it with you. One excuse is as good as another, and before the Lord it's not. He wants me to change. He wants you to change. It's not because I want you to change or I'm not going to love you. No, 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 no. It's not because I want you to change because you're not going to be saved. And lo- no, 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 no. I want you to change because I want you to be like my son and therefore you will be partakers of his divine nature and you will escape the corruption that is in the world. That's why he wants us to change. And if that's what he wants for us, then we need to esteem that. We need to care about it. We need to say, Lord, I want to be who you want me to be. I want to be like who you want me to be. I am no longer settled with, that's the way I am. It's not my fault. My uncle's brother's cousin's nephew did this to me when I was five years old. He wants, he wants us to come to him and say, Lord, I trust you. You can make these changes in me. But you know, there's so many things, that I, so many ways I need to be changed. If I dump this box out, I'd be tripping all over the boxes of the things that have to come out of my soul. He, he just picks one at a time. He picks one at a time and speaks to you about it. Okay. Let's take a look at John 14. We're going to change gears here a little bit. John 14. <clears throat> if I can find it in my computer, or I can just read it on your screen. John 14. Okay. 15 through 27. If you love me, Eh, right. <laughs> You're right. If you love me, keep my commandments. Don's talking about how we need to love God, how we love God, about loving God. Uh, we need to keep his commandments. That's what Jesus said. This is all in red. You want to see? It's all in red. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. By the Holy Spirit, these changes are going to be made. And he is promising that the changes I want you to make, and that is by keeping my commandments, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit to help you do it. You're not going to do it on your own. This isn't something like, I'm going to go to the gym and start lifting weights and I'm going to be sculptured by the next time I come in here. No, none of those things. It's, it's by the Holy Spirit. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it sees Him not, neither knows Him, but you know Him, 
for he dwells, dwells with you. And he's saying here, previous to his going to the Father, and shall be in you. And the shall be is now. He is in us. He is with us. And he is in us. I will not leave you comfortless. Let's just see what that comfortless is. Bereaved. Bereaved. Sad and feeling like I'm on my own. I can't do that. No, I'm not going to leave you like that. I'm, I'm, I'm going back to the Father, but I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit so you will know that I am with you through all of this. That I'm working out in you and through you. Yet a little while in the world will see me no more. But you will see me because I live. You shall live also. At that day you shall know that I am my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. He that has my commandments and keeps them, he it is that loves me. Again, Pastor Don's been talking about loving God. Okay, you may have been seeing there saying, well, what ways do I love God? Do I love God in worship? Do I love God? Well, that may be true. But right here it says, by keeping his commandments, you know, to love me. And, and he that loves me shall be loved of my father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said, Lord, how is it well, that you will manifest yourself to us and not the world? Jesus answered, said, if a man loves me, he will keep my words, and my father will love him, and he will come unto him, and he will make our abode with him. He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings. There you go again. Keeping Jesus' sayings, doing what he desires of us, what he's telling us, making it a priority, not dissing it, but making it significant. Humbling yourself and standing before people and saying, I need help with this. Can you pray for me? Because it's so important that I don't mind revealing it. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. Not as the world gives peace. I give unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Now let's take a look at John 15. John 15. I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he takes away, and every branch that beareth fruit, he purges it, that it may, be, that it may bring forth more fruit. I'm glad you're here, Stephen. Do you know, I don't know you've ever, I don't, I don't know this, I'm not, a, I'm not a vine dresser. I sense Stephen knows more about grapes than I do. But I, in my studies, I found that grapes are born on last year's wood. I didn't know that. I thought the grapevines that we had in the buckets out there in the nursery that had grapes on them were all new growth. But no, it was there bearing fruit on last year's wood. So I've looked at this verse here, being a, not a vine dresser, but interested in horticulture and the way plants grow and things. And, and I've looked at this and I said, okay, Jesus is saying, I am the vine and my father is the vine dresser. He's the guy who goes out there and takes care of the 
finds. I'm the vine. Okay? Every branch that, that is in me that beareth not fruit, he takes away. Now, just discussed grapes. Okay? Now, you can probably look at 25 translations and it says the same thing. It says, he takes them away. He takes them away. I have read that and I've always thought, okay, he goes over there, there's no fruit, and I was clipping it off, put it in a fire, and it's worth nothing but to be burned. But wait a minute. How is that possible? I'm the, I'm not the vine. I'm playing Jesus. I'm the vine. You're the branches. In other words, you're connected with me. My life flows through you. If you don't bear fruit, I'm going to cut you off and throw you in the fire? Well, it's not the Jesus I know. So what's wrong with this? There's something wrong with this translation. There really is. You're going to say, who are you? Well, I'm just telling you what I think the Lord is, is showing me here. That word, taketh away, is this word, arrow. And it means, lift up. Lift up. So here I am walking down through my vineyard. I'm God now. And there's vines stretched out on my wire. And there's a branch that is laying on the ground. And it's in the mud. It's getting walked on. The tractor goes between the rows and sprays and rolls over it. That's next year's fruit branch. I'm going to lift it up. I'm taking it up and I'm wiring it onto the wires. And I'm going to take care of that branch because that branch is going to give me fruit. I'm not cutting them off because it's not making fruit. If I did that every time I saw a branch that didn't get fruit, next year there would be no fruit. Because the grapes come on last year's wood. You following me? Does it make sense? So he says, it's important that you bear fruit and I'm going to do what it takes for you to bear fruit. And when I see you down and I see you what happens is the vines don't want to grow straight up. They're going to grow however they want. And you know what? Some vines, when they grow for a while, they get twisted because they're used to growing down on the ground. This one's got mist here. And sometimes those vines get like a bend in them. They're kind of like bent. Do any of you have a bent? I have a bent. Get in my, yeah, a bent. A tendency. Okay? If you look up the word wicked, you'll see that that word wicked means bent to stay in a position. Wicker. Like a wicker basket. You take this, the soft branch and you turn it and you bend it. And, you, and if it's left there, it becomes stiff and but we all have bents. We all have bents. You got to know what your bent is. What do you have a tendency to do? When do you get frustrated? Do you go to the refrigerator? When you are confronted by someone, they're really being unreasonable and you're tired. Do you have a tendency to want to punch them in the nose? Or verbally do it? 
I won't go into all the other bents that there could be, but there's probably 40 of them in this room, and you're thinking about the bent. Um, so God doesn't want your bent that way. He wants to change it. He wants to pick it up. He wants to tie it on that grapevine lattice because next year that is going to bear fruit. That's his plan. And he talks about it here. Every branch that bears fruit, he purges it. Purge. That sounds like a bad thing. Hmm. Cleanses. It's laying in the mud. It's got bugs, it's got fungus, it's got all this junk growing on. He can't have that down there. That's next year's pr- production vine. I'm going to lift that up. I'm going to take care of it. And this maybe get trimmed off a little bit here. But now it's in fresh air and there's air circulating around it and it gets sunshine and it's doing well. And that's the vine dresser's plan. So just because we know we have a bent doesn't mean that God doesn't want to change that bent and cause that bent to, ch- to, to do something that gives him glory and produces fruit for the kingdom of God. Okay? And it will bring forth more fruit after he works on it. Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken you. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abides in the vine... No more can ye except when you abide in me. So you see, he's talking about a branch that is tapped into the vine, which is Christ. He's not talking about cutting off a branch that is not a part of Christ and disposing of it. He's talking about everybody that is tapped into Christ. So he's saying he's going to bring, and you abide in me, and the more you abide in me, the more fruit you bear. I am the vine and you are the branches. He that abides in me and I in him, the same shall bring forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If a man abides not in me, he is cast forth as a branch withered. So he's a branch that's withered because he's not tapped into the, the vine. He's not getting the, the life-flowing Substance that he needs to live, it's withered, and those are the ones that are gathered up and thrown into the trash and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask whatever you will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. So you shall be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Continue in my love. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love. And if I have kept, as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love, these things have I spoken, that your joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that he lays down his life for his friends. You are my friends, if you do whatever I command you. Henceforth, I will not call you servants, For the servants know not what the Lord does, but I have called you friends for all things which I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should bring forth fruit and your fruit should remain, that whatsoever you ask in the Father's name, he will give unto you. These things I command you, that you love one another. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. 
If you are of the world, the world loves his own. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the words that I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will persecute you. If they have, if they have kept my sayings, they will keep yours also. But all these things will I do unto you for my name's sake, because they know not him. That, let me read that again. But all these things they will do unto you for my name's sake, because they know not him that sent him. Talk about persecution. If I had not come and spoken unto them, they had no sin, but now they have no cloak for their sin. He that hateth me hateth my father also. If I had not done among them the works which which none other man did, they had no sin, but now they both see and hate both me and my father. But this comes to pass, that the word might be fulfilled, that is written in the law, they hated me without a cause. But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth which proceeds from the Father, he shall testify of me. And you shall be witnesses, because you have been with me from the beginning. Okay, now when we think of witnesses, we always think, of, I'm going to share Christ with someone, I'm going to take a track out, and I'm going to talk to people about Christ. That's a witness. Well, what about all my bents? Are those good witnesses? When a person comes in my store and I throw them out, which I have done. I've done that. I just couldn't put up with them. I just, sorry, you got to go. I'm not doing business with you. I've done that. Should I run out in the street and hand them a track? No track is? Oh. Adam, did anybody want to tell Adam what in track? Chick tracks. These little magazines. And they'd like to tell about Christ, you know. So you walk along the street and you give it. So I just threw the guy out of my store. If I go out there and hand him that, will that be a good witness? You get my point? So. It's obvious that there's a purpose for us to change. But many of you have been sitting here, maybe you have, maybe you haven't, and you've been saying, yeah, uh, but I've been a Christian for X amount of years and I still have a problem with this. I've been a Christian for this long and, and I, I really don't understand why I act this way. I've been a Christian, I love Jesus, but you know what? When it comes to giving, boy, I, I have the roughest time with giving. I have such a tough time with giving. Man, I want to cling on to every penny I have and stash it away and hide it. Whatever it is. What I've learned is that sometimes those things are places in our souls that have us rather than us having them. What I've learned is that sometimes you have these things that you think, I'm just that way, that's just the way I am. And you've been living with it for such a long time that you don't see that it's, you don't even think it's possible for it to change. John Higgins, a couple 
years ago, brought me to Glens Falls to a class that was called School of Healing Prayer. Now, in my mind, I got a picture of this, okay? It's this evangelist standing up. I'm going to use you, Adam, all right? Be healed in Jesus' name. And people come up and, you know, I've been there. I've been there. I, I get it. However, when I started listening to these teachings, I saw a lot less drama and a lot more introspection. Seeing what God was saying to the person who came forth for healing. Give you an example. I went forward at a full gospel businessmen's conference with Bob Barstow and Chris Cleveland about five years ago. And one of the men who was in charge of this school in New York State, and his name was Nigel Mumford, asked if anyone needed a healing. I had fallen in my retail store over a wagon and hurt my leg. And I'm limping like this, and oh, it hurts. Anybody need a healing? Oh, yeah, I need a healing. Why don't you come forward? So I come forward, pulls a chair, sits down, talks to me, asks me what happened. So he lays hands on my knee, says to me, um, well, what I want you to do is I just want, to, want you to close your eyes. Close your Okay, close your eyes. Think back about the event. Okay, I did. Okay. He says, um, so tell me about it again. Well, I told him where my son-in-law was standing. I told him where my grandchild was, was standing and how I had fallen over this wagon. And he said, how did you feel? I said, I felt like a jerk. He said, are you a jerk? No. Well, don't you think maybe you should forgive yourself for that? I mean, Jesus said that we're supposed to forgive one another. Don't you think you should forgive yourself? Yeah. Well, you want to pray right now? Ask the Lord to help you forgive yourself? For feeling like such a fool? Yeah, I do. Okay, well, all right, go on with the story. And and then he said to me, where is uh, Jesus in this whole thing? In this whole story? Got my eyes closed. I'm visual. I see it. And immediately I go to this intellectual position. Well, you know, he's omnipotent. He's everywhere. And he said, no, 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 no. In this situation, in your mind, where is Jesus right now? He said, look around. Look around. And I sat there with my eyes closed. And I was in that place. And suddenly, he was there. He was there. Whew. I was like, wow. He, <laughs> Nigel Mumford then said, everybody, come forward. You got to see this guy's face. Because my face was smiling to the point where my ears were on the top of my head. I mean, I was smiling like I'm seeing Jesus. And he says, what is he doing? And I said, he's reaching down and picking me up. What does he say to you? He's not saying anything. He just has a big smile on his face. 
He's just smiling at me as he reaches down and, and picks me up. I had never experienced anything like that before when people prayed for me for healing. So when, when John asked me to go to this school of hearing prayer, I said, I want to hear more about it. So what we learned in... Twelve days of seminars being taught by Judith and Francis McNutt, who have this healing ministry down in uh, Jacksonville, Florida, is that I don't know any more about healing than when I went to the first class. But what I'm convinced of is that Jesus heals. He wants to heal everything, every issue every struggle, every pain, every single thing that you're dealing with that you think, oh, I have to be a man and deal with it. He wants to touch every place in your soul that you're hanging on to because your survival instinct says, this is how I'm going to cope. He wants you to give it to Him. He wants you to know that He cares because those things are the things... Filling up your box. Something someone said, something someone did, something that you said, something that you did. Something that happened. Car accidents, hurricanes, tornadoes, deaths in the family. You name it, whatever it was that has scarred your soul and made that place not alive because he doesn't live there. He wants to heal it. So, getting late. I'm sorry I went on so long. But I had to get to that. I would like, if, if God is tugging your heart right now, if you, if you really believe that there is something that, that you want prayer about, I'm not sure how to, how to introduce this. Typically, this prayer is not an altar prayer. Typically, this prayer is something that takes some time. And we don't have a lot of time. But what I want you to know is that we have a group of people. Bob and Edwina are not here. They're up at the, they're up at the um, couple's advance. But we have Fran and Al Baldanza. We have Dick and Peg Kenyon. We have my wife, Nancy, and myself, and we have John, who have gone through this class and gone through the class to the extent that where we didn't find a recipe. That's what I was looking for. I want a recipe. First you do that, then you do this, and bingo, you know, I'm, that's the kind of person I am. I mean, the things I read are recipes on how to do stuff, how to fix things, how to make things grow. I realized, no, Jesus does it. He just wants us to be available to pray for you. So, if there's anyone here that really feels they want to touch from the Lord, and I believe God is going to touch you. I believe He is going to show you. I believe He's going to speak to you. If you don't believe that God speaks to you, then that's the first thing that you need to realize, that God wants to speak to you right now.
right now. He wants to speak to you about one of these boxes. And he wants you to yield it and give it to him and trust him for him to heal it and then fill that place with his Holy Spirit. There's anybody that, first, I'd like to have Margo come up. Mar- oh, Margo's part of our group, too. Come on up, Margo. You're going to pray for people. John, will you come up? Nance, I'll p- put a chair here for you if you want. You want to come up? So, my wife said she needed a chair if she was going to be praying for people. No, we're going to do this and then we're going to have communion. Okay? So, if anybody would like prayer, just come forward. And here's what, I, here's what I'm telling you. Here's what's going to happen. What is God telling you? That's what we're going to ask. What is God telling you? And we'll pray for you. And then ask you if God is telling you more. We'll pray for you for healing for that place. And if you feel that you are healed, if you are, if you are convinced that God has reached that spot, touched that place, then all well and good. If not, we're willing to spend time with you longer. If necessary, we have meetings on Tuesday night. Prayer meetings at my house. You're welcome to come. We have a basically like a little interview here for people who are interested. You fill out the interview, you give it to us, then we get some background, know what to pray for before you come. We're asking the Holy Spirit to reveal to us some things that only He knows that will be the answer to you being able to be set free from this stuff. In the trunk. Okay, come forward, you need prayer.